Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We're getting ready to talk to Gabe DeArmond from PowerMizzou.com. And for Mizzou fans, programming note, we will have Mizzou quarterback Brady Cook on the show today at 9.30 a.m. But right now we have Gabe DeArmond from PowerMizzou.com. Gabe, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm not bad. What's up, guys? Uh, You know, just waiting until the Super Bowl next week. Until then, we've got uh, college basketball to hold us over. Um, what, what do you think of? Do uh, yes. What do you think of Missouri's performance against Arkansas? Uh, poor to quite poor would be my assessment. Uh, <clears throat> I thought this was the first time. Like most of the year, they had they'd shown up, right? They battled. They'd been in games. They just couldn't finish them. The one thing they hadn't done was was no show from the start, and uh, so they checked off another box on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, that was that's not a good Arkansas team. They were missing some of their quote unquote better players. They had turmoil, and it's been a mess. And it largely looked like a team that wasn't particularly interested in finishing out the season. And they came out and ran Missouri off the floor. Okay, so I I read something that you wrote at, at Power Mizzou, and I totally agree with you. I mean, there like so there's so many variables and so many things that can happen. It, it's it's extremely difficult to predict a team to go winless in the conference, right? Yeah. But I said at the beginning of the week, if Mizzou plays Arkansas and Vanderbilt this week, and they don't win one of those games, then I'll at least start to entertain the idea that they might not win a conference game. And so, a hundred percent. How how uh, desperate should they be in this game against Vanderbilt? Because I mean, you look at the rest of them; they're going to be underdogs in every game. I, I don't, I don't. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they don't win a conference game. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think even if they lose Saturday, they probably pick one up somewhere, right? I mean, just odds say they will. Um, but even though the guys won't say it, you know, this is on their minds every time, like. Geez, we still haven't won one, right? And and losing kind of begets more losing. You every time you lose a game, you become a little less convinced you can win one. So they just like I'm not going to pretend that this is a team that can reel off six or seven in a row or anything. But if you get one, like that's at least that monkey off your back, right? Nobody's talking about oh my gosh, can they go zero and eighteen? Not that one and seventeen is good, but like there is a significant difference between none and and some, you know, so I think if they can get one, and I still think they probably find three, four, you know, and, and it's going to be a bad season no matter what, but it, it, zero is just, uh, that doesn't happen much, man. I know A&M did it once in the Big 12. Um, I'm sure it's been done in the SEC, but I don't really care enough to look and see yet. All right. Well, uh, now let's. Uh, what well, did you uh, did you have a basketball question over there, silly? Huh? Well, no, that's all right. Go ahead. I mean, no, I no, come jump on, in. jump are you in. Ready to move on. No, move you on. no. I've I've been ready to move on for five minutes. But go ahead, <laughs> Nate. If you got something, go ahead. Did, did, did you mean five weeks? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was just trying to participate. That's all. I wasn't trying well, to participate. Just, you know, what are you going to say? Well, you mentioned the the ticking one off the box of the no show right out of the gate. That, that was something Stephen and I talked about yesterday. That that was a little surprising when you think you're playing a game where you you would think the players would look at and go, hey, this is our chance to get a win. 
Is that something you, I mean, I don't know, do you draw any conclusions or concerns that, that he's losing the team a little bit or that, you know, I mean, what, what do you make of the fact that they no-showed and what should have been a big game for them? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's losing the team, but it was pretty clear, like, the, the level of energy and intensity Tamar Bates brought to that game, and I would throw Anthony Robinson in that mix, too. Uh, the freshman compared to the level everybody else brought was was a big difference and the big thing for me in that game was and everybody that followed this team has, has kind of felt this way for a while but like how much do you owe Noah Carter and Nick Honor and even at this point Sean East is as the upperclassman like it, this team's not going anywhere and so at what point do you have to invest even more in the future? You know, Trent Pierce was sick. Anthony Robinson missed some time because his, his grandmother passed away. Um, Jordan Butler had started the last couple games but then didn't play that I recall in the second half against Arkansas. So it, it, at some point you have to look and say, who's coming back next year? Who do we want back? And those are the guys that – Hey, you don't just throw them out there for 35 minutes because you don't want to kill anybody's confidence or anything like that. But instead of four minutes, it's 10 minutes. Instead of 10 minutes, it's, you know, 17 minutes, something like that. And, you know, the uncomfortable part of all this uh, with everything the players have gotten over the last couple of years, free transfers and NIL and all these rights, well, the thing that comes with that is, in my opinion, a coach's freedom to also cut kids. If they get to be free agents every year, then I think absolutely we can – and this has always happened, but we can. We should now openly talk about it. All right, who do you want that? Who, who deserves a spot on this roster next year? You know, and, and I think that's what Dennis Gates, more than anything else, has to determine over the last ten games of the year. I mean, there's some guys we know aren't back, but, you know, is Trent Pierce a guy that, hey, we want him back, so we better start playing him. Is Aiden Shaw a guy that you want back? So you've just you've got to live with some of the some of the limitations and throw him out there and and see what he can give you. Um, you know, I, I think we know you want Tamar Bates back. I, I think you probably want all three freshmen back. Although I can't say that for a hundred percent certainty. But other than that, you know, there are some guys on this roster that he's got to make a determination, and they've got to make a determination too. It's not a one way street. They have to want to come back, but that's really all these last 10, 12 games are about. Uh, Gabe Yarman is our guest. Hey, what did you think of the uh, defensive coordinator and the defensive line uh, coach hires? Yeah, I mean, fine. You know, I, nothing would have made me jump up and down either way. Um, I I don't know enough about I, I mean, I literally couldn't name a defensive end coach in the country outside of Kevin Peoples who just left. Uh, defensive coordinator, you know, he, he seems like a guy who's put in his dues and was in line to make a move like this. Um, ultimately, you know, we'll see if it works out. I mean, a lot of things go into that. Um, but I think there are a million good coaches out there on, on every level, right? Um, and it's just about, for a lot of these guys, what do you get that opportunity or not? And Corey Batoon's got that opportunity now, and, and we'll see what he does with it. Hey, final question for you. Uh, down at the Senior Bowl, Darius Robinson looks like he is turning some heads and having a great week, uh, in your opinion, uh, because Jake loves the draft and wants to know, do you think that he could do enough to get into the first round? It's sure starting to seem that way. Um, I know multiple people that are down there covering that event, and 
have heard from at least three or four of them, hey, he's having one of the best weeks down here, and people are starting to talk about him as as a top 30-ish type guy. And we all know it depends on fit and, and team needs and all that. But, you know, we had uh, Darius on with us on a show about a month ago, and he's a Michigan kid from just outside Detroit where the draft is this year and he said that, that I want to be there. I want to get invited to the draft in my hometown. And if, if you work yourself into that, you know, first round conversation, then then he's got a shot to do that. So I think he's really helped his stock. I think Chris Abrams Drain has had a really good week down there. I know JC Carlisle turned some heads at the the East West Shrine Bowl which was played last night. So uh you know you're you're looking at I would say over under of six, six, six and a half kids that get drafted off this team. I'll tell you what, it's Darius Robinson, depending on who stays and who goes and where the Chiefs are going to pick. He, he, he looks like he fit real nice on that defensive line. Andy Reid loves him some defensive linemen. Just put that in your file for later. Uh, hey, Gabe, thank you so much for the time. appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, fellas. Have a good one. I never complain about uh, guys that can get to the quarterback, and he's a great young man off the field and a terrific player, one of the uh, most important players on the team this year for Mizzou. And go back and look, Jake, you love the draft as much as you say. Look at what he's doing right now at the Senior Bowl and what they're saying about him. He's one of, if not the most impressive player so far this week at the Senior Bowl. So remember Darius Robinson. We'll have Adam Kaplan on next, and he's down there, so maybe he'll – We'll talk about him a little bit. Put Darius Robinson's name in your heart. All right. Thank now, you. let's move on and uh, talk to our friend Jay Heydrich. Texas State. All right, Jay. Uh, lots to talk about here. Big weekend for K-State. I was talking briefly in the commercial break with uh, Stan Weber about Houston. Uh, and this, this has been an interesting Big 12 race. But now Houston looks like they're starting to at least show that they are a, a, a Final Four national championship contender and maybe the best defensive team in the nation, especially when they're playing at home. Um, and so I know I know K-State got blown out, but they're not going to be the only one that gets hammered uh, down there playing at Houston. That's a hell of a basketball team. Yeah, Houston's really good. They are long. They're athletic. And they're just typical Kelvin Sampson team. I mean, they're mean. They play tough. Uh, they are aggressive. If you, K-State, and as you said, Stephen, a lot of teams that uh, have, have failed against Houston because when you approach pressure and the type of pressure that Houston applies, you, you can't back away from it. You have to attack pressure with pressure and be aggressive against it. And uh, it's tough to match that with Houston, given their athleticism and their skill on the offensive end, too. And, and it's almost like uh, Bob Huggins' old teams in Cincinnati mm-hmm. and West Virginia, where they just, you know, you, you get two fouls on the kid, he goes out, and all of a sudden a clone of him just comes comes back in. You know, how many six eight lanky athletic kids do you have on the bench? And Houston's got a lot of them, and they can put a lot of pressure on you and make you look pretty silly. Okay, so this is a gigantic couple of days for the K-State basketball program. When we had Mike DeCourcy on the show earlier, you know, he said the K-State's been tiptoeing around his, his you know, Last four in for the NCAA tournament right there on the line. Uh, and so if this if this team wants to be a tournament team, this this is this is a huge weekend. We'll look back and, and circle either things went well for them or maybe things fell apart. 
at Oklahoma State. Got to win that game. No question. That's a must win. Get a road win at Oklahoma State and then come home with a golden opportunity to get a marquee win against Kansas on uh, on Big Monday. Uh, and so let's go through these two games that uh, will take place on Saturday and Monday. I mean, this this could end up defining the season, what happens in these next couple of games. Yeah, agreed. You know, we're we're entering the type of, of the time of the year where there's still plenty of opportunities left, but those opportunities are, are are shrinking as well too. And if you want to get in the NCAA tournament, if you're a team like K State that's hovering around that bubble, and there's a lot of them in the Big Twelve, you have to win the games that you can win or even should win. Which I would say Saturday fits into that category. And then you got to go find some that no one expects you to win. You don't have to find a lot of those, but you got to take care of the business, take care of your business in in games that you should win, and then um, and then. And then Surprise some people, and if you do that, you'll usually find yourself on the right side of the bubble. Um, if you don't, um, then you probably won't. And in any combination of that, what will land you between? But you're absolutely right, Stephen. This is a huge weekend for K State, and they've got to figure some things out offensively. Um, you know, they they went uh, first six minutes without a field goal against Houston, first ten minutes against Oklahoma uh, with, without without a field goal. And we've talked a lot all year uh, on this show about how K-State's not a team that can just roll the ball out and play. Um, they've got to, the, the kids just got to be more disciplined on offense. They got to work to find better shots. Um, standing around and, and dribbling 15 times and going six inches um, is uh, is a problem. You know, I'm, I'm always a big believer that the most overutilized tool in basketball is the dribble, and I get tired of watching kids, you know, um, take. 15 dribbles and they're still in the same spot. So if you're going to go, K State's got to move the ball. They've got to set good screens and they've got a way to start game to find a way to start games better and and figure out their offensive woes because that's a huge uh, problem for K State right now. How much of that, in terms of the flow of the offense, uh, relies on Tyler Perry? Does it, I mean what what how important is it that he set that tone for the offense? It's hugely important, you know. If uh, and I think Tyler Perry's getting a bad rap amongst uh, a lot of K State fans this year, and saying he's not what he expected, you know, all these things. Tyler Perry struggled uh, at times this year for sure, but um, but overall, I think that he's done he's done a fine job. But you're you're right, Nate. You know, he he's got to set the tone where um, you, you got to keep the ball moving. The ball can't stick. K State is not like a Houston where you know they've got a bunch of six eight kids that can take two dribbles and elevate over some. One and uh, and hit a shot. Um, they have got to rely on getting better looks, and they can't rely on the three point shot. They were four of twenty eight against Oklahoma. Um, the the concerning uh, part um, to me isn't necessarily the four makes; it's the twenty eight attempts. Um, and so you just you, you have to get get an attacking mindset like we talked about earlier, and and that applies uh, on on offense of attacking the rim and not just settling for bad shots. And that starts with Tyler Perry as the point guard, and and it continues to to everybody else on the team as well too. What about this matchup on Big Monday? I I know it's a game away, but how how do you I don't know how do you see them stacking up this year? Um, you know, Hunter Dickinson's going to cause uh, cause a problem for K State like he does for everybody. Um, but, you know, it's in Manhattan. Um, Bramlage is going to be rocking. And K-State has 
uh, has shown that, that it can play with anybody this year. And KU has shown that it's not perfect. Um, KU's got a lot of flaws as well, too. And that's the thing about the Big 12 this year. I don't think that top to bottom there's necessarily the separation uh, that we've seen in years past. If you go on the road in this conference, you're, you're at risk of losing any game. And so um, as much as K-State has struggled uh, so far this year, or I mean just in recent games, I think Monday is, is definitely in play, particularly if they can go down to Oklahoma State, play well, get some confidence going. If that happens, I think Monday's going to be rocking. You going to go to uh, Big Monday? Um, I am not going to go to Big Monday. I'm about fifth on the list of people and companies who control my time. Oh. So um, <laughs> I am going to be uh, um, doing something that uh, probably somebody else wants me to do. Good. Uh, that uh, sounds like my life. Uh, well done. Yep. Jay Hydrick. Uh, All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate uh, it. Thank you. Uh, that is Jay Hydrick talking some KC basketball. A little road trip to Manhattan for you? Uh, no. Okay. I've done that in the past. I've had a good time in Manhattan. At, oh, have you? Yeah. Who's your buddy that's out there? Wassenberg. What's up, Wass? He might be listening. He usually he listens. I mean, he didn't invite you. Well, he has in the past, but he probably won't. He probably doesn't want to be seen with me in public these days. Especially he in Manhattan. He should now. He's a good dude. What's your level of confidence in that game? Uh, not, don't be a kiss ass. Not, Come on. Not particularly high just because KU's really struggled on the road this year. You know they've they've had a tough time on uh, at it, 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 uh, places that are not as difficult to play as the octagon of doom. So um, I don't know. It's I maybe call it a coin flip. Whatever, bro. You think it's a coin flip, Jake? No, I don't. You don't. The way your the reaction of your face led me to believe that you did not agree with that. <laughs> I, I did not. So what do you know? Just letting you know. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Greg Gurley now. What's up, Greg? How you doing? Another guy that doesn't want to see, be seen with me in public, right? You know? I would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably Big Twelve tournament. What do you think? Yeah. Well, let's do it, man. It's, it's closer than you think. I know. <sighs> it's. I mean, we're in February. Don't have much time left in the regular season. It's gone fast, hasn't it? I think uh, we we all be looking forward to going down to the President Hotel. You know, I always look forward to going to the President yeah. Hotel. Yeah. Wonderful place. And, and the tournament starts on Tuesday now, so oh. we'll have even more time in the drum room. Oh, has, has Amy already been asking if Nate can uh, come down there and, and regale everyone with a nice long story in the lobby as they <laughs> I think I've been desperately day. try to go back to the rooms? I've been that was from the a, drum room. <laughs> that, was that? A random, that was a random table that night. That was Andrea Hootie, Holly Rowe. Nate, yeah, Ryan Haney, yep, and then no one talked except Nate, right? Yeah, <laughs> all, all, all of those world class talkers, and Nate yeah. got up and just stole the show. That's right. They? Well. He, you know, I called Philip Sternod. We were sitting at that nice table in the presidential suite, and he got made a booster, so he was like, yeah. above, he was like above everyone else. Yeah. So he just king of the castle. Like he was like, he was kind of yeah, the little king of the castle. Uh, hey, you just wait. This guy, this guy, has got a hot, fresh batch of soccer stories. Oh yeah, for I got you. some messy stories for you, buddy. Coming up in March, wait. he's got some good ones, and so also. <laughs> was I uh, am I crazy or did I see you swag surfing with the Chiefs offensive line at Allen Fieldhouse this week? Uh, I wasn't with them. Well, I watched it, oh. but they seemed to be having a really good time. Then I was I was driving home after the game and I saw their bus parked right in front of the bowl, 
and I so I think they were having a really good time, which was this was exactly a year after Travis Kelsey came to that particular game. It was a Tuesday night, and he also enjoyed himself immensely after the game at, at the triangle over there with the hawk bowl and the wheel. So the Chiefs have the words out, come to a KU game and go to the triangle. I like the fact that Creed Humphrey said he had a great time because he watched Oklahoma State lose and he got to do horns down on TV, even though Texas was not involved in anything. <laughs> yeah, the horns down thing. You know, Rodney Terry's uh, deal after that game kind of backfired. Now everyone's doing it about right. a million times more. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, well, hey, hey, look, this is a, this is a big two game stretch for the Jayhawks coming up too, and obviously, this is a game that was circled by everybody on the calendar before the season. KU versus Houston for the first time in as conference opponents. Uh, we we just heard from Jay Hydrick about how tough Houston is. Everybody knows how physical they are defensively and all that. What do you think of this uh, this matchup coming up on Saturday? Well, everything that everyone says about Houston is right. I mean, they are tough. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country, if not the best. They've got playmakers, well-coached. Uh, but, hey, so is Kansas. You know, and, and we, we, we've kind of talked all about Houston, and, 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 and rightly so. It's going to be a great atmosphere. You know, but you look at what they did early on in the year. They corrected it in the Big 12 year. Lost their first two games in the Big 12, and and everyone was saying, "Oh well, gosh, they didn't know what it was like to be a part of the Big 12." Then what do they do? They reel off six straight. So they're legit Final Four national championship contender. That's what makes Saturday so fun. Uh, the atmosphere is going to be amazing. Bill talked this week and said, "Hey, this is a bigger game than UConn," and and UConn was a top five game. That was a, the atmosphere was unbelievable that day. And we need to have the same type of juice in that building on Saturday. And, uh, you know, Jamal Shedd has probably put himself as, if you, if you look at it, seven, eight games into this Big 12 season as the player of the year in the conference. And so Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCullough are hearing that. They need to do something about it. And so uh, it's got a ton of matchups that are fun to look at on paper. It's, uh, you know, between the coaches, the players, whatever. Uh, and, like Nate said, this two-game stretch, this 48 hours, Saturday, Monday, can get Kansas right back in it after, you know, a couple of bogeys on the road. And uh, we kind of forget about those if they can win two games. You know, I've always found it interesting, the, the, the path that led Kelvin Sampson back to Houston because, you know, after after his stint at Indiana, there was no guarantee – he was going to get another big-time head coaching position, and certainly no guarantee he was going to be the successful because you know the, he was with the Bucks for a while as an assistant, then the Rockets, and now he's been at Houston since 2014. And then we all know so much about him and familiar with him from his days at Oklahoma and how well-coached those teams were. And I'll be damned if we're not in the year 2024 and he's right back in this conference with a team that's every bit as good as some of those Oklahoma teams. I mean, what could be said about Kelvin Sampson as a coach and, and what, you know, some of the principles that still remain from, from this team that maybe compared to some of those old Oklahoma teams that he used to coach? You know, I don't think that anyone in college basketball is surprised at what he's doing. I think he, we knew he was going to be good. Uh, after he left, we just didn't know if he'd be back in college. Obviously, the NBA didn't work out. Some guys are just better in college, and Kelvin Sampson's a great example of that. 
and I wouldn't even say good. He's great. I mean, the way he coaches, the way he recruits, you know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. You got to recruit the guys that fit your system, and he recruits the guys that fit his system. You know, you think about some of the guys he had at Oklahoma. You know, the Edward Daharaz and guys like that that play hard and, and are tough. That's exactly what he has now. I mean, those guys will hit you, they'll bump you, they'll take your ball. But what they have this year, they have they have the ability to score offensively. Uh, that that they've that's kind of been what's hurt them in the past. They've always been consistently good on defense, and they get into the tournament and, and they run into a buzzsaw, and they. They can hold up their end defensively, but they couldn't offensively. I think that's the main difference. He's he's one of the best coaches in college basketball, and there's no argument on that. I don't think he gets enough credit, mainly because he's at Houston. Uh, now that he's in the Big 12 and they're going to be put up a little higher on that pedestal, I think people will start to realize how good he is. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're lucky to have him in the Big 12, and, and hopefully uh, they struggle on Saturday. McCuller missed the uh, last game with a bruised knee. Do we expect him to play tomorrow? I do, and all signs point to to that as well. I think it was said on Tuesday that if this was a game in March in the tournament that he would have played. Uh, it's a bone bruise. Everybody's had one of those. It just hurts, and, and uh, you know, time is the biggest thing. And what do you have in the middle of the season? You don't have time unless you create time and that's missing games and or game so it was a pretty easy decision it was actually a good thing for our team because i think the bench players got pushed up a notch and they played with a free mind i thought we got a nice game out of el marco uh you know i said it in the broadcast i think part of it is he was like all right he's not gonna pull me out if i take this <laughs> shot so i'm gonna jack it you know and, and that's a good thing but uh, they're just we don't have much of a bench and when you lose a starter that just puts you in a different position so I, it, it was a perfect storm to where we who we played when we played you know after the Saturday loss in Ames that gave Kevin you know three or four days really to to get right get treatment so uh, a really long Nate Bucati answer to a Nate Bucati question well wow. yes I think Kevin will play on Saturday. No, I was you. You answered what was going to be my next question, which was how, how positive it was to have El Marco Jackson go out there and go for double figures in a game like that. Because I think we all agree that they're going to need Furphy and Jackson to be to continue to grow as players if they want this to be a special season. You mentioned Jamal Shedd and, and what a great player he is. He had a chance to win that game in regulation um, during middle of the week. He settled for a pull up jumper and, and he missed it. But I was thinking to myself, okay, so when Shedd has the ball. If you're in a situation like this in your Kansas toward the end of a game, is is McCuller, does he draw that responsibility? Who ends up who ends up guarding Jamal Shedd if he's got the ball in his hands in a crucial moment in the game? Well, it's a hard question to answer because of the way Bill Self's defense works. I mean, he, they switch screens. And so, yes, you could put DeWan on him, but if they bring, you know, a big out there, and, and you could change your defense. They, you know, DeWan don't allow – don't allow yourself to be screened. Stick with them. That kind of shuts everything down. So it's yes, it beat Dewan Harris, but you'd like to, uh, you know, predict who's going to set the screen and put McCullough there so he could have the switch. So Bill just doesn't look at those individual matchups the way we do. He looks at them as okay. Yes, 
they're the two point guards. That is a matchup. But the way we play, there's going to be a lot of switching. All right, Greg Gurley, thanks for the time, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right, boys, thanks. See you. That's Greg Gurley. That is the Border Patrol fast break. And that's uh, all for this segment. We'll be right back after this on WHB. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Let's check in with our NFL insider, Adam Kaplan. Adam, good morning. How are you? Guys, I am well. I'm back from the Senior Bowl. Saw a K- K-State player tear it up. We'll talk about him. Glad to be back. Congratulations to the Chiefs for getting the Super Bowl. It was kind of cool to see Chiefs people who were beaming, obviously, for, for another round here uh, of getting to the big game. Hey, I, I did want to ask you about one of my favorite players from the uh, Mizzou squad that won the Cotton Bowl over Ohio State uh, this uh, just recently. Robinson, uh, Darius Robinson is yeah, a he stud. Was great. He's yeah, a he stud. was. See, the thing—it's funny. I'll, I'll be writing about him for Pro Football Network on Monday. He's got everything you look for: height, weight, speed. He could play inside or outside on the D line. It's just be consistent. He needs what it's called hard coaching. He needs guys to get the most out of him. That's going to be the key for the next level is de- coaching, bringing it consistently. Because he's got everything you want. You're absolutely right from a talent level. It's just that's not the issue. The issue is being consistent. That, that was told by someone in scouting with the team. Uh, but, man, Ben, is it Senate? Is that how you say yes. it? He was an absolute stud. I, I, now, now, be careful of this one. I got this from a coach, and I, I he explained to me why he saw that. So he said there's a little bit of Sam Laporta in him. And Laporta had one of the best rookie seasons in NFL history at tight end. He was great, man. He, I didn't. I don't watch a lot of college football in, in, until December. The kid's ability to get open and get off the line. He had one drop, but other than that, he was great. He was the best tight end in Mobile this week, no question. Did you see anything from Missouri running back Cody Schrader or I corner did. Chris Abrams drain? No, the, the Schrader I saw. Schrader's an interesting back. He's got versatility. He had a nice week. He certainly helped himself. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, but the Robinson kid was the story. Senate was great. Uh, and it's not a great tight end class, so this this this, this helps him. To, see, in Mobile, when you stand out, that helps your draft value. And I'm not saying it's going to move two rounds, but from a scouting standpoint, he certainly helped himself. Any any Jayhawks uh, stand out to you at all? I know that Booker, the defensive end, was there. And anybody, I don't know if any Kansas guys uh, stood out to you. Not at all. all. No, because I, yeah. uh, I have to. What what happens is. I ask guys who watch the practice tape. Like, I, I see – you can only see so much because you can't watch every player, every practice. It's impossible. So what I do is I ask, I get opinions. There's some guys I didn't see who I asked opinions about. But I just happened to ask an area scout who, who has Robinson in his area, and he gave me his, he gave me his, his evaluation based on um, going to see him play live and then his, uh, his senior ball. So – this is just this is where the scouting really begins at the Senior Bowl. That's what they say. And next up will be the NFL Combine. All right. So, uh, what are your initial thoughts on the matchup that we will see with the Chiefs and the Forty ers Yeah, can't wait. Re- obviously, a, re- a uh, rematch of five years ago. Not all coaches are there. The quarterback, the, the one quarterback, changed. Jimmy G is gone, and obviously, the Chiefs won that. Uh, but uh, you know, you know, it's great because being on your show, I don't know, five years, wherever, however long it's been. And since Spags came there, you know, sometimes the fans got after Spags. Like, they couldn't understand it, what's wrong with them. I always tell you when you guys would ask me, just relax a little bit. There's, there's no perfect game. They're going to have lulls. Every NFL team has a, has, a, has a patch where you go, what is wrong with this defense? Well, look at Mahomes leading up to that, that Raiders game, which obviously was terrible. 
Mahomes is going through one of the toughest stretches of his career. But elite play will eventually come to the surface. Trust your coaches. They're going to get it right. The players are going to get it right. So that was an, a virtuoso performance for Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, my God. What, what, this, the, the, they shut the, the Ravens' offense down. They got bamboozled. They had no idea what to do. And then Mahomes, again, was magical. And he didn't need – this is the game where they didn't need to score a lot of points. But I was – look, uh, look. They, they only scored 17. Uh, Pacheco ran hard. He looked good coming off the two injuries. Kelsey was incredible. Their chemistry – Mahomes and Kelsey were incredible. Rice made some plays. Mahomes was very accurate. They just didn't get – it's hard to get explosive plays downfield. But Kelsey in, in their zone defense, Ravens play a lot of zone. He got open, and he did a great job. Does Spags deserve to be considered one of the greatest defensive coordinators of all time? I and Spags is a friend. You know, for for uh, I play golf with him. You know, we played a charity event together. Um, but that's a little strong. I mean, no no offense to Spags. That that's tough to say. Uh, his mentor Jim Johnson was one of the best. Uh, the late great Jim Johnson with the Eagles. But but I would say in Chiefs history, oh, you have to say that. Okay, let, let's let's leave it with the Chiefs. Yes, you know, you guys would know Chiefs history better than I would. So the defensive coordinators, Gunther Cunningham. Obviously, you, you would have to look at. But, man, this job that he's done, and by the way, the, the Ravens, no offense to the Chiefs' defensive talent. The Ravens are way more talented on defense. It's just the scheme, the, the, the way they execute. And how good is LeJarrius Sneed? I mean, let's talk. And, and I know talking to the Chiefs this week, they, they love they love the maturation of George Karloftis as, as a power end. But, look, he didn't have a great rookie season. Let's talk about it. Nick Bolton, terrific. Guys are playing. You know, you know it's always great when you're playing your best ball late in the season. But I'm I'm glad that Spags got it done because man, the hate for the some of the fans had for Spags, you know, in social media, it's just crazy. Sometimes fans don't know what they're talking about, and they they go game to game with these these coaches. In the end, the cream always rises to, to the top with great coaching. And this defense only given up 41 points in the three playoff games, only 10 points in the second half of those three playoff games. It is insane. And if they complete this run and have a dominant performance against the 49ers, I mean that that that's all the elements of a great defense, and it will be remembered as a great defense because of this run they've gone on. Yeah, and, and the execution, that's an underrated term. That means, okay, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to teach it to you. Go run it. And the execution, we talk about Snead, Bolton, and I'm glad he, you know, he's had some injuries. I'm glad he's over the wrist surgery. He's done a great job. Mike Dana, not enough people talk about it. It's too bad about Omenahu with the ACL. Um, that does hurt for when they went for their um, sub package. That, 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 that's a little bit of a concern. Chris Jones is, got, is doing fine. Uh, we'll see about Willie Gay with the, the next spasms. That does worry me. Uh, but, man, Trent McDuffie, one of the best nickel quarters in the NFL. This, but they execute at such a high level. See, you don't when, – when you execute well and the coaches put you in uh, to the best, ex- best way to do it. And Dave Tobe, one of the best special teams coaches. We don't talk about him enough on your show. And Brett Feach, who runs personnel and makes the decisions. Give Andy Reid credit to first to, to Brett for everything. That's you know, they got a good thing going here, folks. I hope Andy doesn't retire over the next couple of years. I hope it keeps going. All right, so uh, San Francisco has looked vulnerable in the playoffs. Very. Uh, tell me some of the weaknesses that the Chiefs can exploit in this game and why they've looked so vulnerable in these last two games. Yeah, I would say, folks, if you look at the the Niners' problems, it's on the back end specifically at corner, uh, opposite a former chief, Shavarius Ward, where they call Mooney. 
Man, opposite him, you could go after because every team I've talked to who plays the Niners says we're going to have Avery Thomas. We're going after Diamador Lenore, number two. Thomas is number twenty. Those are the guys you're going to want to exploit with Rishi Rice. And that now, now the thing is, their front is phenomenal. And you worry about Joe Tooney with that pectoral strain. I got to believe he's going to somehow play. He has to play. I mean, he's just you got a Super Bowl foot. I don't care what they have to do to strap it up. That he's got to play. But you got you got to handle that front. Maybe the best front in the National Football League. Great at great at great at linebacker. With Fred Warner, the best off the ball linebacker in football. Greenlaw is really good. Number fifty seven. Uh, safety, they're okay. To Sean Gibson, his older, is in the twilight of his career. Uh, but you you want to throw away by schematics. Nagy and Reed have to scheme it up to go after whoever's going to be lining up opposite Ward, and that's the guy. Because you, you asked w- w- that that does happen. They're ta- they're not a very good run defense. What happens is they get such big leads, and teams don't run because they have to throw to come from behind. And then the other thing is Purdy has been a little bit inconsistent. I gave him credit last week after they got down big, they came back and won. But, but this is where Kyle Shanahan with Ayuk, with Samuel, with Kittle. With McCaffrey, who's an absolute X factor, has been incredible, folks. I cannot wait to see Spags' plan. I, in fact, I get physical with McCaffrey anytime he's out of the backfield. I'm going to hit him. I'm not going to let him make plays against me if I could avoid it. So you mentioned some of the the struggles that Purdy's had, but he's also shown moxie and toughness yep. to come back from it. He had that terrible half against the Baltimore Ravens in the regular season in what was a really big game. Is there anything the Chiefs can take from that? Can they look to try to disrupt him and create some turnovers in this game? They can, they can, but he's a precise passer. They run an old-school West Coast offense. See, it's funny. Andy does not. He's kind of taken it to another level. Uh, they do it. They, it's West Coast terminology, but it's, it's, it's certainly different. And Kyle's more like his father. It starts with the run game. What you want to do is you want them to fo- – because the book on the Niners is make them throw a lot and they don't do well. And that, you want them to play from behind. Now, the, the, let's call it the Lions last week, we, which I want to do mention – the Gibbs fumble, the two bad drop passes by Josh Reynolds. The people can blame Dan Campbell all they want, but the, that the, the stuff I just mentioned—that's why they lost. You can't have those when you have a big lead. The only way you lose it is, is bad mentals or bad, bad penalties. They, they lost that game. I look. The Niners came back to win, but if you want to know how you beat the Niners, get a lead early. And I'm telling you, I don't see the Niners coming back against the Chiefs. Not this defense. Not the way they execute. They are playing at such an unbelievably high level. I love those T-shirts, by the way. In Spags, we trust. Those are. I need to get one of those. Those are pretty awesome. In Spags, we all trust. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. That, that's right. Um, get on the wagon, man. Get on the wagon right now. Oh, we're driving it. We're driving this damn wagon until it uh, <laughs> runs out of gas. Uh, and so, uh, are you going to be heading uh, to Las oh, Vegas? Yeah. yeah. So, so I just got back. <laughs> you want to hear a funny story? This is this is my twenty third senior ball. I don't know how this happened. First of all, it, oh, this is the rainy season in New Orleans. New Orleans is about an hour and a half from there, in that area of down south. So anyway, it was sunny, so much so that we all got sunburned. None of us had sunblock. So I have friends who actually got, one guy got uh, sun poisoning. Well, I got no. very bad uh, sunburn, which is comical. But anyway, so, yeah, I'm fine. I will be there. I leave Tuesday, I, I, and, I, and I fly home. I don't go to the game anymore, and I... I work for Sports Grid there, so I'm hosting. Fact, guys, I want. To, are you guys going to be there? We're going to have some of our people there. We're going to stay back here because oh. uh, the real work is done back here in Kansas City. All right, all right. Well, we got to get guys from WHB on. I, see what oh, yeah. I'm doing is, I'm hosting segments for Sports Grid, three to five minutes for TV and also for social, and I absolutely want to get from your market. 
what this is like. And uh, I, look, you guys are used to this excellence now. Are you guys kind of in awe of this? Because it didn't look good when they had that awful loss to the Raiders. Are you surprised they're this, they're this far in the playoffs? You know, um, I'm not. It's just, really? I, I was. Because of Mahomes? Yeah, because of Mahomes and, and, Spags? and you know, Andy Reid. And just. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I, I once they beat Buffalo, then and then to me that was it. Buffalo scared me more than that Baltimore. Was that was one of the games that you don't have to be a fan of either team that you'll never forget because either team could have won it. Yeah, it was totally down to the wire. It was crazy. But the thing that I've learned about it when you if you're someone who, like myself, I have to pick game for Sports Grid on Fridays. You never pick against Mahomes. I, I get Purdy and the yeah. Niners are, are, are really good. You're talking about one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history if you never played another game. I mean, this guy, this is, and you know what the great story about this is? Do you know that most people on the National Football League got it wrong on Mahomes? They didn't like Mahomes at all. They didn't like the offense that he played in, too reckless. But the thing is, and Andy's talked about this, as you know, nobody knew how smart Mahomes is, and that's a big, that's the underrated part about his game. And mentally tough, too. And I'll be yeah. honest with you, Adam, at, after the Raiders game, I, I did, I, I came on the show and said, I'll never rule out. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, I'll never count them out, but I don't expect them to make a deep run in the playoffs this year because by that point I thought if they haven't cleaned up their lack of discipline issues on offense and their wide receivers shooting the team in the foot over and over again, um, if they haven't done it by now, I think it would be silly for us to expect them to do it. But then once we got into the playoffs and you look at the individual matchups, each time you look at it and go, am I really going to bet against Patrick Mahomes? Which brings us back to this one. Yeah. It, does it floor you that the 49ers have been the favorites to open up in, in this, considering we're talking about Brock Purdy, who's never been here, versus Patrick Mahomes? All right, so it's funny you say that. So I said this on SportsGrid. My personal line would have been the Chiefs minus one and a half because of the Mahomes factor. But the Niners are a major national team. They are, they are overvalued by the public. That is to me, because look, it's all, they make a betting line. Now, I think they open it minus one and a half. Now it's two. They are a, what we call public team. The public backs the Niners like crazy. I'd be backing Mahomes all day. I, I, this is not, and this is not a shot at the Niners. They have an excellent coaching staff. But it's just kind of the experience. You got only, you can only pick, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pander to you guys. I'm, I'm in, like, I picked them last week with you guys, and I'm gonna, I'm most likely, I would, I don't have to turn my picks in, and I'll do, I'll do um, props too. But I just, I, I cannot bet against Mahomes. I just, he is. And the other thing is because, you know what the other thing is, that he doesn't have to carry him because the defense is playing at such an elite level. That is another underrated factor here. They don't have to throw the ball like crazy. And also, if they have to close the game, Pacheco. How about Pacheco? I mean, this is insane. We'll sit you up with Todd Lebo. He covers all the press conferences yeah. in the locker room. Cool. Yeah, he yeah. asks Andy Reid all the tough questions. I want to get Todd. Todd will be there. Will Todd be there? Yes, he'll be there. Gigantic ego, so you have to deal with that. But we'll set him up with you. Oh, and I've been with Todd. Yeah, right. yeah, you know Todd. Yeah, we'll, we'll get Todd on there with me on Sports Grid. That's right. He's the man. Hey, uh, Adam, thanks for the time, man. We'll okay. talk to you next week. Thank you. Giant ego. Yeah. <clears throat> So what's the bet we find lies between you and Shane for the Sunflower Showdown on Monday? So if uh, if KU wins, he's got to record himself doing a soccer game, play by play, and we get to hear him do a goal call over the air. We'll play his we'll play his call over the air. All right, the Sunflower Showdown. If uh, K State wins, uh, Shane just informed me that uh, since the game's on Monday night, uh, starting on Tuesday for the rest of the week, I have to go the entire week. 
without mentioning soccer on the show. And if I do, I owe him 10 bucks every time I do. You think you can do that? Did you put him up to that? I'm sorry, I'm betting on the Chiefs. What now? <laughs> Let's go. Money line. Well, since I made a money, I might just mention soccer a whole bunch and just pay, you know, cut a check to Shane at the end of the week. I don't yeah. know. I, I think KU's going to win anyway, so hopefully I don't have to worry about it. You'll then be I'm fine. I'm talking soccer left and right. You'll be just fine. Soccer. All right, we'll take a break. Back into this on WHB.